0: For everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and it pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Um, It's not a question of whether or not we will go through storms. The only question, as we said last week, is whether or not we will grow through storms. That's what we want to do. We want to learn who God is. We want to learn what we're prone to. We want to see where God has shown up in the midst of struggle and chaos, what he has taught his kids so that we might learn from it so that when we go through it, we'll know who God is, how he'll respond, how he'll come through. And so, uh, this morning, I want to invite you in. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Exodus chapter 14. If you got here early, uh, you know uh, God is so kind that uh, when I'm preaching through something, He lets me live through it. So, Exodus, uh, we've just come out of the ten plagues. We, have, we had a plague of crickets this morning in the building, about 150 of them, not lying. Uh, like, it was insane, and uh, we tried to get them out. We tried to let most of them live, y'all, you cricket lovers, okay? You can take them home with you if you like them that much. Um, so if you want to get, uh, you know, not in my house, but if you want a snake or a rat or something you want to feed them to, have at it. Just bring a broom and, and y'all get after it. But uh, Exodus 14 this morning is where we're going to be. Um, and the only other thing I'm going to ask you to do other than opening your Bible is I'm going to ask you to take notes. Worship is a participatory sport. Um, when we pray, we pray. When we sing, we sing. When we give, we give. And when we study God's Word, we actually study it. So that means that we're, we're not just listening. Uh, we're going to take notes. And, uh, and so two ways you can do that. You can use the bulletin. Um, you want to do hardcore uh, old school notes and uh, you just write them down in the blanks and you can take it with you. And that's awesome. We also have digital notes. And, and again, the QR code, open up the camera app on your phone, point at the QR code. It'll take you to a link um, with our digital notes. And so I'm going to pray for our time in God's word that we're going to let you uh, get after it. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for allowing us to gather in this place this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, um, we're going to talk about some deep hurt today and as we talk about that deep hurt I pray that you would even now go before us and minister to the hearts of those that are hurting for those that feel like they are trapped that you would show them today uh, supernaturally that you are a God that can make a way when everything seems hopeless God we love you we praise you Lift up Jesus today, Holy Spirit, in our midst that we might see him more clearly than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so guys, we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 14. Uh, Moses has already gone to Pharaoh uh, ten times, saying, let my people go. Uh, The plagues have already happened. Uh, The last one was the death of the firstborn. Pharaoh's like, get out of here! Right? And so they leave. Uh, But then Pharaoh changes his mind, and he pursues them, he and his whole army. And uh, here's what the Word of God says, Exodus 14, starting in verse 10. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, Here's what it says. It says, "...as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, "...is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness?" What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, break that down. They're actually saying it would have been better to remain in slavery than to to be in this place, okay? But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all of his army, and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from the front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. There was a cloud of darkness and it lit up the night. Neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea, drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night, and he turned the sea into dry land. So, this is a, this is a, a huge wind storm. That's why we're studying it. So, God causes this great wind storm to come, and it literally parts the Red Sea. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and on their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen all. And they went into the sea after them. During the morning watch the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and he threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He's fighting for his kids. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground, and with the waters like a wall to them on the right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great, power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in him and in his servant Moses. Three things I want to share with you this morning. Here's the first, it was kind of a wrestling match all week. First thing I want you to know this morning is that God often allows the enemy to get close so that we will learn that he is even closer. God often allows the enemy to get close so that we will learn that he is even closer. So the question I asked myself all week, evidently it was God's plan uh, that the uh, army of Pharaoh would be completely swallowed up. That was God's plan. So the question I asked myself is, why couldn't God have done it back at at, at, at Pharaoh's temple, right? Why why couldn't he have done it way way back there? Why, Why did God have to let the enemy get so close what was, what was that about? You ever, ever wonder that? God, God why, why, why do you got to let it press in on me? Why, why do I have to feel it? Why is it here right now? Why, why couldn't you handle it way back there? And evidently there is a reason in the text. The text gives us a reason. I think it's a reason that we should pay attention to because remember in the Old Testament, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, those are God's children. Through this nation, God was going to bring His Son, the Savior of the world. Now that nation of Israel would still have to believe in his son, uh, but ultimately that plan of salvation which came through Israel would be open to all people, including people that were not from the nation of Israel called Gentiles, that's us. And the Bible says anyone who's put their faith and trust in Christ becomes a child of God. So anytime we're talking about a passage involving children of God, if you are a child of God, your ears should perk up and you should pay attention. That means it's probably for you. And and, and so why would God allow the enemy to get so close? The answer's in the text. That means that we should pay attention. Verse 31, here's the answer. It says, When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in him and his servant Moses. They feared the Lord, and they believed in His servant Moses. You see, God's kids needed to see this in order to believe. They needed to see that God was with them. They needed to to see that, that God was more powerful than the enemy. They needed to understand that so that they could do what God ultimately was going to call them to do. Right? This is an important lesson. And guess what? The same is true for us. Now, I want you to think about where their mindset begins because that's typically where our mindset begins when we're going through storms in life. So, So listen to their original thoughts about God. We know where they get to in verse 31. They're like, oh, God, I believe in you. But it starts out, verse 10 through 12, it says, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them, uh, the Israelites were terrified. They cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away from the wilderness? Like, what, what have you done by bringing us out to Egypt? Isn't this what we told you would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians? They're like, hey, listen. It would have been better for us to die back there. It would have been better for us to remain as slaves. This, is, this is, reminds me of last week, the disciples, right? This is very much a, where are you, God, cry. Right? Remember the disciples, Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and, and they come to him and they're like, God, don't you care that we're about to die? That's exactly what the Israelites are saying. Don't you care that we're about to die? And when we are facing storms in life, boy, is that how we feel. Right? We're going, God, I see the enemy. God, I, I see the storm. God, I I feel it all pressing in on me. I see all that, but I don't see you. Where are you? That's how they're responding. God, where are you? And so God's going to teach them an important lesson. Y'all, it is a principle that we all need to know. We see the principle at work here, but we see even more clearly a little later on in Scripture, in the book of Second Kings, and so I'll put on the screen Second Kings six fifteen through seventeen. Uh, God's prophet Elisha. Uh, the Israelites are, are now at at war. Uh, with Aram, and so uh, God's prophet Elisha is literally telling the Israelite forces, uh, like, hey, the king of Aram's coming after you at this location. And the king is like, this dude is in my head. It's like he's in my living room. He's not, but God is revealing things to him. So he's like, I've got a point. We're never going to defeat Israel if we don't take out their prophet Elisha. So he sends his whole army after one guy, right? And so Elisha's holed up in a city with his servant, and it says this, it says, When the servant of, of the man, that's the servant of Elisha, got up early in the morning, he went out, and he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. Right? Surrounding the, the city. So he asked Elisha, Oh my, my master, what are we going to do? Right? What are we going to do? And Elisha said, Don't be afraid. For those who are with us, outnumber those that are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. In other words, the Lord's army was there. Here's the principle, y'all. In life, when we feel like we are surrounded, in in, in those moments when we feel like we are surrounded, we feel like we are going to be overtaken by the enemy, we have to remember that God's army is greater in number and power. And that even though we feel surrounded by the enemy, we're actually surrounded by God and his army. And God is going to fight for us. That's what we have to remember. That's what God shows his kids here in Exodus 14. They feel like they are surrounded. Man, the enemy is pressing in. Going, God, where are you? We, we see the, the, the storm, we see the enemy, we don't see you. Where are you? And God just shows up and is like, oh, here I am, watch this. And he takes all the enemy and swallows them up, right? And swallows them up. And so hugely important, anytime we feel like we're surrounded, like we're going to be overtaken by the enemy, we have to remember God's army is greater in number and in power, okay? So that's our first point. That's our first point. God often allows the enemy to get close. So we will learn that he is even closer. Second point I want to share with you this morning is this, that God never promises that we won't have problems. But he does promise to protect us through them. Now I realize on uh, your notes, the fill in the blank portions are two P words there, problems and protect. But if you could highlight another word, which if you're Doing the old school method, you can circle that word through. It's really important. If you're doing our digital notes, you can type it in the box below. Through, it's a really important word. God never promises we won't have problems, but he does promise to protect us through them. And so, if there's one concept that most believers struggle with when going through storms, it is the concept of God's protection. Right? It's the concept of, of God's protection. And because the Bible is clear, it says again and again and again that God protects his kids. Like, that's, that's what it says. Uh, like, literally, it, it says it so many times, I couldn't have given them all to you. I'm going to give you three of my favorites. Uh, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it, and they are protected. Right? Protected. Uh, the children of God are protected by God. Uh, Psalm 34.19. Now, th- this one is here because it gl- gives us a glimpse as to what that protection means. Uh, just so you know, it says, uh, one who is righteous has many adversities. That means he has many problems. Alright? So that ding, 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 something should be going off. Uh, wait a second. So the protection of God doesn't eliminate my problems? Just saying. So one who is righteous has many problems, but the Lord rescues him from them all. And then one of my favorites, I remember I had just come to the Lord when I heard this. Psalm 121.3. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector, that's the name of God, it's not just something he does. Your protector, that's his name, will not sleep. God did not sleep on you. Sometimes you feel that way, right? The disciples felt that way. Well, Jesus sure looks like he's asleep. He knows exactly what's going on, right? The one that tells you to get into the boat will make sure that you get through the storm, okay? So what does all that mean then? How does all that work if the Bible says that God will protect me, but I'm going through all this junk? What does it mean that God will protect me, and I'm going through all these problems? What, what, what does it mean? Well, does it mean... Because here's how I, my brain thinks. I don't know how your brain thinks, but my brain, before I began to study God's Word, would have thought, well, maybe that means that I'm not His kid. If God promises to protect His children, but I'm going through stuff... I would start to think, well, maybe I'm not really his child. Uh, Or I might think, well, maybe he doesn't really do what he says he does. Maybe the Bible's wrong. Of course, those things aren't true. God is protector. Uh, If you've accepted his son Jesus into your life, you are his kid. Okay? Maybe it is our understanding of what protection is that's different because y'all, nowhere in the Bible does God promise that we will never face problems. In fact, he promises the opposite. Jesus comes in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things, so to then me you might have peace. But he says, you're going to have suffering or problems in this world. Be courageous, though, I have conquered the world. So if the promise of God isn't that we will be protected from all problems, it must mean something else. What could it mean? And I think our text paints a really cool picture of one of the things that it could mean. The protection of God. Uh, look at it with me in verse 19 through 20. It says, Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and he went behind them. And, and the pillar cloud that was also in front, uh, moved from in front of them and it stood behind them. And listen, it came between the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. There was a cloud of darkness. It lit up the night and neither group came near the other all night long. It came between them. I think that's a better picture of God's protection. Think about what Jesus has done for us standing between. God never promises that we will not go through storms. He promises that he will be with us through storms and that he will protect us as we go through them. It's really important. And so I'm going to put it on the screen again. I just want you to get the second point. God never promises we won't have problems, but He does promise to protect us through them. Now, uh, I want to pause here for a moment and say this: in our text this morning, God chose to physically protect His kids. He did; He came between them. They, the enemy didn't even get to touch them. But that is not the case in every situation in life. In fact, there's a lot of places in the Bible that God does not choose to physically protect His kids. But he still is guarding them in a sense. Those are hard, hard things to understand. And there's no way in the 24 minutes I have with you in the morning that we could dive into the depths of all of that. But I want to say this to you. Sometimes God chooses to shut the mouths of the lions. Think about Daniel. In other times, faithful people, New Testament, were devoured by lions and torn apart. And God was there in both of those situations, right? Sometimes, like Job, we do face great physical hurt, right? Job uh, faced horrible physical illness, not to mention the loss of his entire family. Job went through the wringer, and yet somehow God was still there protecting his heart and his mind in the midst of his deepest suffering. Even when he is complaining, he's still praying. Right? You can't miss the book of Job and all of his heartache and all of his, God, where are you? God, I don't understand. He is still connected to God. God is still protecting that relationship. Even if we can't see that protection, it's still there. It may just be over our heart or over our mind, but God promises to protect His kids. And here's what I want to say to you. If you're one of those people, you've gone through one of those things where you have been hurt physically. I want you to know that this is a safe place. It's a safe place to talk about it. If you want to talk with somebody, you want somebody to pray with you. And and, and listen, it could be physical illness, guys. It could be so many different things. But this is a safe place for you. If you want to talk about it, pray about it, if, if you just want to work through it, we're here for that. We're here for that. You want to process. Um, Just one more thing, and it's every bit as hard to teach, but it's really the third kind of big idea of the text, and here it is. It's that God has the power to make a way even when things seem hopeless. Okay, God has the power to make a way even when things seem hopeless and so i I don't want you to miss this uh some of you people here uh you're my people man you 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 think like me You, you you go through things like me and so i don't want you to miss uh this in the text i don't want you to miss the dead end that their backs are against the wall right i i don't want you to miss the the persistent pursuit of the enemy Right? That has just gotten closer and closer and closer. And no matter how close they get to the sea, no matter how much they withdraw, the enemy just keeps pressing. And some of you, man, you are feeling that. I don't want you to miss the sense of hopelessness and despair in the passage. Because it is there. It is there. What is their response, y'all, to this storm? What is their response? Is their their backs are against the wall and the enemy is pressing in? A whole group of them actually say it would have been better, it'd been better to die back in Egypt. It'd be better off if I were dead there than facing this here. Right? So here's what I want to say to you. Uh, Storms do that sometimes. The devil is not your friend. He does not care about you. He is ruthless. The Bible says that he is prowling around like a lion. I don't know if you know how lions hunt. But they isolate. They pick on the injured. They attack. And that's exactly what the devil does. And so if you're here and you've been going through it. And you feel withdrawn and you feel isolated. I just want you to know how cruel the devil is. He's coming at you. And he wants to destroy you. That's what he wants to do. And so maybe you like the Israelites have had had some of those thoughts. Maybe modern day, like here we are and and, and we're at our job and, and we're just struggling with it. And we start thinking, well, the company would just be better off without me. Or you're in your marriage and you're thinking, you know what? They'd just be better off without me. Or you're just in life in general and you start having these thoughts that the world would just be better off without me. Just be better off if I were dead. That's exactly what they were thinking. I just want to say this to you in love. Man, I get you. I have been there. This church has been kind enough to let me say that. Some churches will fire people in my position for saying they've ever struggled mentally with anything. Went through some stuff. I, uh, I'm a pusher through, man. I guess that's the generation we were kind of raised in. You just suck it up, you know. Eat a little dirt sandwich. Keep going on sometimes that's not enough. And that stuff builds up in you and it builds up in you and it builds up in you and it becomes you become so isolated. By the way, if you're in a position of leadership of any type, you are in danger. No one's more isolated than leaders. Not just your pastors. Any, if you're in a position of leadership at your office, you're isolated. If you're in a position of leadership in your home, you're isolated. If you're in a position of leadership in your school, you're isolated. And the devil is cruel and he's coming for you. And there's gonna be a moment that your back is against the wall and you can't see a way out and you honestly, he's in your head and you're starting to think the only way out for me is this. And man, I'm here to tell you just because you can't see a way, just because it seems hopeless for you doesn't mean that God cannot make a way and he does. And sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of the truth. Even though I can't see a way doesn't mean that the God of the universe can't see a way. And in my case, I had to have a tough conversation with my doctor, which was really awkward because I don't like to talk about those things. I like to just be like, I'm fine, I'm good, I've got this. I had to go to my doctor and go, hey, I'm having some really not awesome thoughts about myself. She's like, what kind of thoughts are you having? And I told her and like her face changed. She was like, oh, I think we need to do some stuff. I was like, okay, that's cool because I don't want to, I don't have these thoughts anymore. Just because you can't see a way out doesn't mean that God can't make a way out. God will fight for you. He fought for me. He'll fight for your marriage. He'll fight for your position and your job. He'll fight for you. But you gotta trust him and let him. When you don't see a way out, you gotta turn to God and say, God, I will wait for you. I need you. God, come and do this for me. All right? This is one big idea today. Every week there's a big idea, something we can learn from. And so here's our big idea this week. Storms help us experience God's presence, protection, and power. I know they're not fun. It's not something we want to go through, but sometimes, like in this passage, it's something we need. So I'm going to say it again. Storms help us experience God's presence, enemy gets close, God allows it, so we'll know that God's closer, his protection, he fights for us, it doesn't always mean that there won't be physical harm, but he will protect us in some way, even if it's just our mind or our heart, and we get to experience his power, a God that can make a way even when things seem hopeless, okay, even when things seem hopeless, so uh, I'm gonna give you some application, I gotta let you go, I preach a little long, give you some things that you can do this week. And, and the first is crucial. Uh, I want to challenge you to become a child of God today. You know, that's what Jackson said. He's like, hey, I showed up, and you said I needed, I needed Jesus. Uh, yeah, we're going to say it every Sunday. You need Jesus. So all these promises we're talking about, the protection of God, all that stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. God is gracious, so there's some universal grace Uh, That we all experience, that God may save us from one thing or another, even if we're not his kids yet. But this promise, I will never leave you or forsake you, I will be with you through it all, that is a promise to his children. You don't get to claim it if you're not his child. And so you may need to become his child. That's not as hard as you think. God is not far off. He loves you, He's right here, He's present. All you have to do is turn to Him and say, God, I want to become your child today. Would you come into my life? Forgive me my sins. Uh, for our students, uh, all your adults will be back there later. And, and just like Jackson did in Sunday school, you have an opportunity to talk to one of the adults. You can come talk to me after service. We can start the next service late. I don't even care. Let's talk about Jesus. Everybody else can wait. It's all right. Okay? Let today be the day of your salvation. Number two, I want to challenge you to practice his presence. This lesson is about the fact that God is with us, it's what God's teaching his kids. I'm here! Even when you think that you're surrounded, no, I am here. And so practice this prayer. You say, how do I do that? Well, you pray, right? But some of you, that's not enough. You're like, oh, that's boring. Oh, dearest holy heavenly Father, thou art righteous and good. Um, and you think, like, what do I do with that? That doesn't help anybody. Just talk to God. Hey, God. And be in your head. By the way, if you don't want to talk out loud, some of your friends at school might think you're weird. <laughs> like walking down the hall, say, hey, God, that person needs you. Um, it's fine. Just keep it in your head. It's fine. All right? Okay? You just talk to God all the time. Man, I'm struggling with this thought in my head. I just need you to help me with it. And you just talk to God. So I say practice His presence because prayer isn't meant to be this, this thing that just is in one place. It's meant to be something. We talk to Him everywhere that we go. Uh, I've told this story a lot of times. So Some of you that have been here for a long time, forgive me, but we got a lot of new folks here. Um, we were in a small group with some good friends and uh, they, they, they had a child that way long ago had an imaginary friend. And, and their child started acting out in a way that they thought, oh, my gosh, it's back. The imaginary friend is back. I don't remember the imaginary friend. I really wish I did. Like, like if I had a name, like Rufus is back. Uh, like I don't know if it was Rufus, but whatever the imaginary. So they're watching their, their child. Uh, they're getting in the car. They're talking, you know, uh, in their room to people. And they're like, what is going on? They get in the truck, and they lean over, and they buckle in a seatbelt next to him. And finally, the parent was like, okay, stop. What are you doing? Right? What are you doing? And the child says to their parent, oh, well, we just learned in Sunday school this week that God is with us wherever we go, that Jesus is always with us. So um, since we're in the car, I just thought I would buckle him in too. Practice his presence. Where are you? Because Jesus is there too. Man, buckle him in. Leave a seat for him at the table. Right? Right? When you look at yourself in the mirror, young ladies, let him sit there next to you and whisper in your ear, you are beautiful just the way you are. Don't buy the lies of the world, right? Guys, when, when, when you, you, you hear other guys in the locker room trying to tell you you're supposed to act a certain way, no man, let the word of Jesus whisper in your ear. That's not what manhood is, right? Just practice his presence. Number three, ask God to help guard you and protect your heart and mind. Help, Okay? Um, so the reason why I say help, it's really important. Um, in this passage, it seems like God is the only one doing it. There's tension in Scripture. There is God's, uh, there's God's like, sovereignty, and then there's our responsibility. There's what God does and what he, intel- he tells us to do. So God is protector. The God who is our protector says to us, like, protect yourself. Like, get dressed. Like he, he does it. And so uh, in the book of Proverbs, it actually says, guard your heart above all else, for it's the wellspring of life. That's a, that's a command. Like, you do it! right? God is your protector, but you've got to guard your heart too, right? Ephesians 6. It's like, put on the full armor of God. There's something for you to do every day. Put on the helmet of salvation. You know, the uh, the breastplate of righteousness and the buckle of truth and and the gospel uh, shoes that that are fit with peace. Like, you've got to get dressed. So there's God's, what God's role is, and then there's your responsibility, and we've got to do both, We've got to let God be God. We've got to talk to Him everywhere we go. And we have to also do what He tells us to do. And so, ask God to help, guard, and protect your heart and mind. Lastly, um, cry out for help as you wait for God to make a way. Uh, They cried out for help. They cried out to God. And they cried out to a leader. Listen to me. If you are here, and you're in one of those places that you think is hopeless, it is not hopeless, would you please cry out to somebody? Whether it's your marriage or your job or just life, you need to cry out to somebody and say, I need help. I need help. There are people in this church, by the way, the majority of leadership in this church, we are here by the grace of God, and a lot of us have been through some of that physical stuff. It's not awesome. It's part of our story. We don't brag about it. But God uses it for the good of his kingdom. Even our deepest hurts he can use for his glory. So don't lose hope. Cry out. Talk to somebody. We will be available, okay? Can I pray for us this morning? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to gather this morning in this place and to hear this word and know it is hard and challenging it is also beautiful in depth. That you are a God that loves us so much that you protect us even even when we're facing harm, even as we're going through it, you are there, you are with us, you experience it. For all those that have faced that deep hurt, I pray that you protect their heart and their mind, that they would see your love, that they would know that they could turn to you. For all that are facing what seems like a dead end, I pray that you would give them hope this morning that you can make a way and that they would cry out to you and to someone else for help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.